Greetings folk, my name is Nick Spool Engel and today I'm going to be reading a speech by Alexander Isayevich Solzhenitsyn, a Russian author. He lived from 11th of December 1918 to 3rd of August 2008 and the speech is entitled What is the Joy About? from the 8th of June 1978 and Solzhenitsyn was a superb Russian novelist and historian. He suffered in prison camps in the Soviet Union for years because of his criticisms of the Soviet authorities. He was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1970 and was expelled from the Soviet Union in 1974. This is his commencement address at Harvard University in 1978. Harvard's motto is Veritas. Many of you have already found out and others will find out in the course of their lives that truth eludes us if we do not concentrate with total attention on its pursuit. And even while it eludes us, the illusion still lingers of knowing it and leads to many misunderstandings. Also, truth is seldom pleasant. It is almost invariably bitter. There is some bitterness in my speech today too, but I want to stress that it comes not from an adversary, but from a friend. I've spent all my life under a communist regime, and I will tell you that a society without any objective legal scale is a terrible one indeed. But a society with no other scale but the legal one is not quite worthy of man either. Hastiness and superficiality are the psychic disease of the 20th century. And more than anywhere else, this Disease is reflected in the press. A decline in courage may be the most striking feature that an outside observer notices in the West today. The Western world has lost its civic courage, both as a whole and separately, in each country, in each government, in each political party, and of course in the United Nations. Such a decline to courage, sorry, in courage is particularly noticeable among the ruling and intellectual elites, causing an impression of a loss of courage by the entire society. There are many courageous individuals, but they have no determining influence on public life. Okay, then we jump a little bit ahead in the speech. Should someone ask me whether I would indicate the West such as it is today as a model to my country, frankly, I would have to answer negatively. No, I could not recommend your society in its present state as an ideal for the transformation of ours. But the fight for our planet, physical and spiritual, a fight of cosmic proportions is not a vague matter of the future. It has already started. 
The forces of evil have begun their decisive offensive. You can feel their pressure. And yet, your screens and publications are full of prescribed smiles and raised glasses. What is the joy about? On the way from the Renaissance to our days, we have enriched our experience, but we have lost the concept of a supreme, complete entity. That's in capital letters. Which used to restrain our passions and our irresponsibility. I just want to pause a moment and mention a movie. There's a very good movie called Inside Job um, by Charles Ferguson, directed by Charles Ferguson. The narration is by Matt Damon. And in this particular film, The Meltdown in 2008 in America, economic meltdown, the, the greatest single point drop in history, um, is traced right back to the early 80s when Ronald Reagan appointed Treasury Secretary Donald Reagan, who gradually started dismantling bits and pieces of a protective piece of legislation called the Glass-Steagall Act which had been put in place after the first um, Great Depression, 19, uh, well, the great, first Great Wall Street crash, 1929. Um, that piece of legislation, protective legislation, had been put in place to keep the markets, to keep the, the financial uh, system secure and safe uh, and not risky, quote-unquote. Um, but then Reagan, the Treasury Secretary in the 80s, Reagan Secretary, gradually began dismantling bits and pieces of this Glass-Steagall Act and the financial system became more and more risky, less and less safe over the years, but it happened gradually, like the frog in the water scenario where the water gets heated gradually and then eventually the frog dies because it's, it's too late, it doesn't realize that it's slowly cooking. And that's exactly what happened with the economic meltdown. This That financial scenario became more and more risky. We had the subprime lending, we had the derivatives, the credit default swaps and all that financial stuff happening. Also, the movie outlines the meltdown that happened in Iceland in 2001, which was linked to the privatization of three of the three main banks. Um, and it was a similar scenario. Um, and so I thought of that story because of this last sentence here where we've lost our concept of a supreme complete entity which used to restrain our passions and our irresponsibility also the 
the passions, you know, the, the leaders of some of these huge macro corporations were also taking cocaine, they were um, using prostitutes, they were, it was to get the same uh, high in the brain, that's the, fun, the cocaine um, stimulates the same part of the brain that is stimulated by financial spending, financial greed. That is brought through in the movie by a psychologist who actually was uh, was counseling and giving therapy to some of these leaders. So he was right there on the inside. Okay, so let's come back to Solzhenitsyn. We have placed too much hope in political and social reforms only to find out that we were being deprived of our most precious possession, our spiritual life. In the East, it is destroyed by the dealings and machinations of the ruling party. In the West, so the, sorry, the East, so that's the system of communism. In the West, commercial interests tend to suffocate it. This is the real crisis. The split in the world is less terrible than the similarity of the disease plaguing its main sections. If humanism were right in declaring that man is born to be happy, he would not be born to die, since his body is doomed to die. His task on earth evidently must be of a more spiritual nature. It cannot be unrestrained enjoyment of everyday life. It cannot be the search for the best ways to obtain material goods and then cheerfully get the most out of them. It has to be the fulfillment of a permanent, earnest duty so that one's life's life journey may become an experience of moral growth, so that one may leave life a better human being than one started it. It is imperative to review the table of widespread human values. Its present incorrectness is astounding. It is not possible that assessment of the president's performance be reduced to the question of how much money one makes or of unlimited availability of gasoline. Only voluntary inspired self-restraint can raise man above the world's stream of materialism. Even if we are spared destruction by war, our lives will have to change if we want to save life from self-destruction. We cannot avoid revising the fundamental definitions of human life and human society. Is it true that man is above everything? Is there no superior spirit above him? Is it right that man's life and society's activities have to be determined by material expansion in the first place? 
is it permissible to promote such expansion in the to the detriment of our spiritual integrity if the world has not come to its end it has approached a major turn in history equal in importance to the turn from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. It will exact from us a spiritual upsurge. We shall have to rise to a new height of vision, to a new level of life where our physical nature will not be cursed as in the Middle Ages, but even more importantly, our spiritual being will not be trampled upon as in the modern era. This ascension will be similar to climbing onto the next anthropologic stage. No one on earth has any other way left but upward. There are some other parts of that speech which are also exceptionally meaningful, uh, which I will perhaps read in the, in a future podcast and then I can also recommend and encourage you to have a look at Peter Kreeft. Peter Kreeft has got a YouTube video where he reads a a scenario where he where he shows the response that occurs um in the crowd at Harvard University because there was a turning point somewhere during that speech because Solzhenitsyn was challenging uh, the weaknesses and negatives of the Eastern communist system in the earlier part of the speech and then he was also challenging capitalism later in the speech and they, they didn't like that. He had been very popular already at Harvard, which is why I'd been asked to give that speech. But then uh, that that actually changed through this particular speech. And then he, he explains what happens there. Um, and it's very interesting. He, he provides some insight. That's Peter Kreeft. It's K-R-E-E-F for Freddie T. Folk here ends our podcast today um let's pray a moment father we just thank you for spiritual integrity we pray for our hearts and minds he said blessed is the for the pure in heart jesus in matthew 5 8 for they will see god blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god lord give us pure hearts help us to see truth your truth, the truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. We bless you, Lord. I pray that you touch each one of us, each listener. Touch our families. Touch our friends and enemies. Touch our world, Lord. And heal it. Save us and deliver us, we pray. Forgive us and heal, heal our country our countries and our world. May we know you. In Jesus' name, amen.